it's nearly 1 a.m., and I've been scrolling through these posts for a while now, and some of them are truly captivating, and it triggered an experience that I haven't thought about in over a year. So I thought I would share it, as I think it fits the brief. This happened when I, male 23, and my sister, female 34, were 13 and 23, respectively. Saturday morning, I woke up about 10 a.m.-ish. My mom cooked some breakfast, scotch pancakes, and we watched an episode of Lost together, while my brother stayed upstairs playing on his PS3, probably FIFA. Around 11.30, my sister called me and asked if I wanted to meet her at my local shopping center to buy some clothes and just generally have a walk around and have something to eat. I wasn't doing anything, and my friends weren't playing out, so I decided to meet her. She took a taxi there, and I walked there, as it was pretty close to me, or was at the time. We had a generally good time. I didn't end up buying any clothes. My sister did. We had a meal at a cafe at about 1 p.m., and got an ice cream each afterwards, where you buy a cone and go and make it yourself from the machine, although I broke the machine pin on the lever and got a bit upset because I thought I was going to be made to pay for this, but the manager came over and said it's happened a few times. No big deal. We went to Mr. Sims, an old-fashioned sweet shop, and bought some sweets. We weighed them up and we paid for them. Going home, my sister ordered a taxi, but this time I got in. The taxi dropped me off at home and she stayed in and then went home. She was living with her friend at the time. It was generally a good day. I played some FIFA with my brother when I got home, ended up having a bit of an argument with him, then made up, had some supper in the evening, and watched Saturday Night Takeaway and your generic Saturday TV. All in all, a pretty normal and uneventful day. Except, this day didn't happen. At least, not to anyone but me and my sister. I mentioned me breaking the ice cream machine to my mom, she thought I was joking. I explained that at the cafe today, when we had food, that I broke the pin on the lever. I'll never forget the way that she looked at me. She looked... worried. But slightly questioning, waiting for me to say that I'm joking. She said that I had left the house once today, and it was to go to the chip shop to bring back egg fried rice and curry for me and my brother and mom, and it took about 15 minutes. At no point did I leave for hours, and when I did leave, it was about 2 p.m. I remember calling my sister, panicking at this point and needing to prove that I did actually go to meet her. She answered, slightly sleepy at this point, as it was about 11 p.m. before this conversation occurred, and I asked her what we did today, on loudspeaker. She went through the exact same story that I just told my mom, 
including the ice cream machine, what she bought, and including what sweets I got from Mr. Sims. At this point, I ran up to my room and brought the remaining sweets down to prove that I had bought these today and went to the shopping center. My mom, at this point, had tears in her eyes, hoping, I guess, that this was some prank me and my sister had conjured up. Me and my sister agreed to talk about it tomorrow, but she texted me afterwards, asking if mom's alright. I said yeah, and if she's not, neither is my brother, because he's promising me that at the time I was out, he was playing FIFA with me in his room. Then, tomorrow comes. My sister calls me in a panic, claiming that her boss sent her home from work because she got called in yesterday instead. She said that her boss said he called her yesterday morning and asked to cover someone's shift, and then she could have Sunday off, essentially just swapping a shift, which she agreed to. She said she didn't push him too much because she didn't want him to think that she was mental and lose her job. To this day, our mom, brother, and even my sister's now ex-roommate are wholeheartedly convinced that the day me and my sister spend together didn't happen. She no longer has contact with her old boss, but he paid her for the Saturday, despite not working Sunday. And me and my sister can recall tiny details to each other about the day that we had, over the years, this has generally drifted back into the background, but sometimes it gets brought up now and again, and has become something that's almost taboo to talk about in our family, because of the issues it caused around the time. This turned out to be a lot longer than I expected, but I never had the opportunity to share this in a place where it actually seems to fit. Thoughts are welcome, and I'll reply to any comments before I fall asleep. Neopi then added an edit. I fell asleep shortly after posting this. I really didn't think as many people would reach out as they did. So sorry I couldn't reply to comments sooner. Thank you so much to everyone who took the time to read this, and I'm really thankful for the insights. I did reply to one commenter saying that this hasn't happened since, but the mention of timelines got me thinking onto one specific instance that also happened in very similar circumstances, again with my sister. It was so short and seemingly insignificant in comparison to this one that I don't think about it often, but would definitely fit into the Glitch in the Matrix genre. So I might end up posting that one for you guys if anyone's interested. I would have to speak to my sister first to get an updated account, though. I don't want to end up misrepresenting her account, because it heavily relies on that, too. It's almost as if for a few seconds we both had a glimpse into the past. Nothing major, no major events. Just a small glimpse into a world before the one we lived in. It was chilling. Maybe not so much as this one, but probably relevant to the sub. A really big thanks to everyone who took the time to read this, gave it traction, and even awarded it. Some replies to this have been extremely interesting and thought-provoking for me. Not to mention, I'm getting goosebumps from reliving this. It feels more intense for me because I've put it out there, 
and so many people have latched onto it as something that is truly interesting. And possibly something more than, well, a delusion. I don't know. No history of mental health in the family, so it doesn't seem likely. And we're both fairly balanced. Regardless, amazing insights, and I'll definitely be posting something similar I described in the edit that's become more relevant to me now, given the comments about possible timeline glitches. The OP added a second edit. Oh, and some people have asked about other experiences with my sister that have seemed weird or out of the ordinary. Just the one I described in my post-edit that I'll post here soon when I go through some details with my sister for accurate accounts. Although me and my sister, when we were younger, and I mean like really young, when I was maybe 5 or 6 and she was 16, 17, when I couldn't sleep, I had massive sleep issues as a kid, overactive imagination and weird places in my head, me and my sister would agree to meet each other in Dream World, and we would plan a place to meet, and that would usually set me off to sleep. Although this just became a bit of a norm for us that no one else in the family got. It was different in a lot of ways to my original post in that we were aware that it was just dream world and our accounts would often differ. We would sometimes not remember most of the time, just one of us remembering the meeting. In the times we both remember, we would remember some things the same and sometimes slightly different. But, we would always follow back to certain constants that happened, even if the details in between differed. Actually, and I keep thinking of relevant stuff the more time I spend here and think about this, it's something to put to the back of my mind as I've grown up. There was one time that we agreed to meet in Dreamworld, and something bad happened. It ended up all dark. I was almost kidnapped by someone I knew that I was going to be kidnapped by, and my sister had to run into my room to wake me up before it happened. We definitely shared that experience down to the detail. That was really scary, but we never told our parents about that. Maybe that's another post, actually. But yeah, I'll stop here before I go down the rabbit hole of my weird childhood experiences with reality. <laughs> Thanks again. The last 24 hours have been really interesting for me. Has anyone else fast-forwarded in time while exercising? I gained 17 minutes on a one-hour run mysteriously. For a TLDR, it's like I was zapped 17 minutes forward on a run making a normally one-hour run into a one-hour and 17-minute run. And for the reasons I'll explain below, that's weird. I've been running for over two decades now. Because I've run so much, it may be the thing I know best in life. Right now. I know how long my runs usually are, how fast I run, all the details. Normally, I run for one hour on the beach, an ocean beach in San Francisco. That means a 30-minute run out and a 30-minute run back. Let's call those the two legs, and normally the difference between the legs 
is on the order of one to two minutes. Yesterday, I experienced something abnormally greater than that, which I still can't puzzle out. My run started very normally. I remember on my way out the door, looking at the stove clock, and thinking it's a little past ten. You know, 10.04 or something. I cross the street, and there's kind of a big group of ravens on the ground. I plowed through the middle of them. I wasn't trying to be rude or to purposefully antagonize them. The path to the beach went through their group. Maybe one of them moved away from me, hopped a few feet away. I was a little disruptive, but not, at least I don't think, excessively so. It felt like one of them glared at me, but I didn't make much of it. So, I get to the beach very close to where I live. It's windy and cold, and this will become important later. I decided to go right this time instead of my usual left. I check my watch. It says something 21. To explain the vagueness, I used to run with my phone, but it's damn heavy. And of course, a phone is precious, and I don't want it getting water or sand in it. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere, as a wise man once said. So, I got this cheap wristwatch on the internet. The cheapest possible wristwatch, which isn't even set to the accurate time. I just know that if I start at 621 on the watch and I want to run for an hour, as I did this time, I need to turn around at 6.51, to be back home at 7.21. Most days when I run, I run every other day, I finish within two to three minutes of that. It varies very little. So, I do my usual run. Nothing too noteworthy happens. At one point, I see a guy running his ATV on the sand, and I think he's not supposed to do that. The first time I'd seen him out, I saw him one other time, I saw him in a construction vest and a helmet, and I thought he was working for the city. But this time, I thought, I think he's doing that on purpose. He wants people to think he's on official city business. Really, he doesn't want to be identified, thus the helmet because he's not supposed to be using his ATV here on the sand. Then, shortly after seeing him, I see a kid standing on a small sand cliff and yelling. He's just yelling at nothing, going like, Ah! Ah! Loudly, towards a spot that I passed through. At first, I wondered if that was mentally disturbed person I've seen in the area, who I've also seen yelling around here, life in San Fran, but he seemed younger, like 10, and wearing a nice puffy jacket. I get close to the turnaround point. I thought about checking my watch earlier, but I decided, no, I don't want to tease myself with being able to turn around when it's not time. I'll check it when it's closer to the time. So, I check at what seems like the earliest possible turnaround point, and it's something 08. Huh? It should have been something 51. I do the math, around 17 minutes off. Did the watch malfunction? I'm not sure. How did this run take so long? I run back, 
I note, weird, that kid is still yelling. He was yelling 15 minutes ago, and he's still yelling. Whatever. The ATV guy is still there, a little past him. On the way back, we seem to stay in each other's sights. As he's headed in my direction, goes past it, and then comes back. This time, I'm much more focused at the end of my run on my watch, and it reads, perfectly, exactly as expected when I finish, something 38. It took 30 minutes. We're back in normal time now. The watch isn't malfunctioning anymore, if it ever was. Note, it wasn't. So, I remember now. I have a second source of truth. I looked at the stove when I left. I checked it when I get back to my room. It says 11.23 or so. Weird. That matches up with what I would expect if the wristwatch time is accurate. So, the run took 1 hour and 17 minutes. But how? I decide to check Google Maps for the first leg of the run. How long that would take at that speed. According to Google Maps... 47 minutes is how long it would take to walk to the turnaround point, which seems about right, if I had actually walked. But first of all, I was running. I know it. And secondly, even if I had been walking, I would have been frigid from the sea wind and getting continuous feedback from my body to run and warm the hell up, because I was dressed in shorts and a t-shirt. I'm not so physically tough that I can walk in 60-degree weather into a stiff ocean breeze and not even notice. I would notice every second and be very uncomfortable. In fact, I went out today and tried walking in that outfit and was like, yeah, confirmed. This is very cold and very unpleasant. I only walked for one to two minutes and noticed that I was cold and disliking it the whole time, before turning around back to return to my place. One more thing, as a runner. When you run in one direction, and then come back the way you came and are faster on the way back, they call that negative splits. Normally, it's like, you know, I finished two minutes faster. Hooray. It's not easy. This time, in my negative splits, I finished almost 50% faster, Two decades ago, I could occasionally, with maniacal focus, pull off a negative split, but never anything of this order. Even a measly 10% improvement would have been impressive. This blows that away. I'm decades older now, too. So, I don't get it. It's like from one second to the next, I was catapulted 17 minutes into the future. There was no perceptual tell for me. It was a totally normal run. Totally normal experience, except I lost 17 minutes of it. I'll finish by mentioning a couple things that could or could not be relevant. There was a story of a runner disappearing in the Bay Area. Someone said it sounded like David Polide's story, the missing 411 guy. I said no it doesn't. It sounds like a normal runner falling off a trail. Nothing eerie about it. I commented on this and then went on my run. They were very close together. Then, this morning, I had a dream that I remembered where one moment stood out. 
I was in a very dreamlike situation, in a classroom auditorium. There was a bowling ball that rolled loose from high up in the seats where I was and rolled down to the bottom of the auditorium. I chased after it. At the bottom, I remember I was swaddling it in a cloth and moved it next to a little door, like a fairy door. And then I remember thinking, move it away, the fairy folks aren't going to like that. And I had a feeling that I'd screwed up, but I'd try to make it better, and I would try to make the attempt. And I swaddled it and moved it away from the door a little. I don't have any good explanation for all this. I'm sure my run was 17 minutes longer than usual, all on one leg, too, on what should have been the faster one. I got more confirmation of this today, when I checked to see what time 21 on my wristwatch meant on the stove clock, and it was 04, exactly as expected. Everything suggests that the run took 1 hour and 17 minutes, except that time is so much longer than I would have had to have been walking it on the way out. And I would have had to have been so much faster on the way back that it's like I found a power-up which just doesn't compute. My take? I have no idea what happened, but I'm going to be more respectful around the Ravens next time I run across them. Next time, I'll take the long way around them. Still, not really an answer, and while I don't think I'll get one, I would like to know if anyone else has experienced something similar. This is my first post on Reddit, so bear with me and please remove it if it doesn't fall into this. I apologize for the long post in advance. I'm desperate for help, or someone who's experienced something similar, and an explanation that I don't think I'll receive. I've had this little black cat. Her name is Sock, for four years. We have other cats too, but Sock has always seemed different than them. She doesn't socialize much with the other cats. She sleeps a lot and has a low tolerance when it comes to the other cats. She's terrified of anything, especially strangers, doorbells, and water bottles. <laughs> I don't know why. Because they're indoor cats, we do allow them to go outside with supervision since... A couple of them are too curious and will try to jump the fence or get away. Sock isn't like that. She's the complete opposite. She takes a while to warm up to the idea of getting close to the back door, even more time to step into the door frame, and longer to actually get outside. If she hears a dog bark, a neighbor, a car, or anything... She immediately darts back inside. She stays close to the door as well. When inside, she's usually hidden in my closet in her spot. Next to me, somewhere, my mom's closet in her spot, under the shower curtain, or my sister's room. On Saturday, 05-01-21, at 11pm, I was waiting on my relief at work which doesn't always take this long, but this night I didn't leave work until 11.20ish. My mom told me when I came home that Sock was playing on the cat tower, being her diva self, 
and trying to hit any cat that would climb on. Very normal behavior of hers, as she really can't stand the others for some reason. <laughs> the sock didn't greet me when I got home, which was unusual, so I went looking for her. The only place I didn't check was my sister's room, because I thought she was asleep. I searched the entire house again, and still no luck. I texted my sister, who was actually awake, and asked if Sock was in there. She said she was around 11, so she was probably still in there. Neither of us checked under her bed, because if Sock is under there, then it means she wants to be left alone. We thought nothing too serious of it, figured she'd be in my room by morning like normal. 6am rolls around and still no sock. I did a complete check of the house again before going into my sister's room and no sock whatsoever. I did another check before I left for work and no luck. I figured she'd come out for breakfast. 10am rolls around, my mom texts me and asks if I had seen sock. I told her no. We all start getting panicky, and they tear the house apart searching for her. I call my supervisor and ask to leave work early. Luckily, I got to leave at 3pm, which was better than 11pm, like scheduled, and we search the neighborhood for her. Still, no sock. They check the house thoroughly countless times even with me on FaceTime, but I still wanted to search when I got home, too. I did at least three, four times thoroughly. We searched everywhere. Restrooms, cabinets, dresser drawers, inside dressers, behind the drawers, box springs, inside chairs and sofas, storage bins, storage containers, closets, and every clothing item, laundry basket, bags, etc., in our closets, blankets, pillows, the attic, AC unit, vents, garage, washer, dryer, in and around them, the fridge, in and around, dishwasher, every bed, room, and area of this house was searched multiple times. Even toilets, showers, curtains, and trash cans. We checked the cameras, and there was no sighting of her leaving the house, the three chances that she could have that night. Every chance the door was open for only a max of four seconds. The lights were on, so she would have been seen had she ran out, but remember, she isn't one to want to dart through the door or have the desire to go outside. We hung up flyers, posters, posted on all the neighborhood apps and pages. Neighbors adjusted their cameras and put out food. All the local shelters within 50 miles had been alerted. Some of our dirty clothes surround the perimeter of the house. We put out a litter box. We searched the neighborhood at night around 11 to 12. And we've done everything in our power to try and guide her back if she got out. Which is really only about a 1%. The only strange thing is if she had died, which would be a surprise because she was a healthy cat, we would have found her by now especially if she was in the house or around the parameters of the house. My sister's room, where she was last spotted under the bed, being her normal cute self, 
is upstairs, on the opposite side of the back door, and far from the front door, too. She was seen at 11, and by the time I got home at 11.38, she wasn't there, and she's nowhere to be found. It isn't like her to be gone this long. Now, I've read countless posts about cats having the ability to teleport, which I believe Sock has done, but we always assumed she was just good at hiding. I would look everywhere for her, give up and head back to my room, and then all of a sudden she would walk into my room. I just assumed I didn't look hard enough. My sister and I experienced glitches frequently, but always attributed it to us being forgetful or not paying close enough attention to things. Objects will go missing, we look everywhere, and then they'll reappear in the same place we left it and checked several times. Constant unexplainable occurrences, missing objects, synchronicities, not sure if this fits into the first one, and strange experiences that make us feel crazy because we can't always put an explanation to them. My question is, has anyone's cat disappeared before? Is there anything more I can do to possibly get her back? We continued to search inside, outside, and in the neighborhood every day, but it's almost been two weeks, and I worry so much now. It's almost as if she just vanished. Like objects have vanished, and I hope she reappears soon. We've had countless messages saying they're indoor, usually black, cat will disappear and show up again in the house a few days later. They know it sounds crazy, but that's just what happens. Is this considered a glitch? And what am I supposed to do? I miss my baby girl so much. So, some preface. I'm not sure if this is the appropriate sub, but I'm hoping that some feedback will answer the initial queries. I just saw the flowchart, and thanks for having me. I went to the trouble of typing this up on PC for the sake of being as clear as possible in my recollection. Memory is tricky, as we know, and this only happened three years ago. But certain factors are unclear to me now. I only recently discovered Reddit in this sub, and I've only had one witness in the incident, and he has since passed away. He was a dear friend that died in the late 2020. He plays a fairly minimal role in the story in the first place, although not having him to corroborate my story does it a notable disservice. We'll call him JR. And this is all about that last look. A glance back at your living quarters before you leave for any amount of time, assuring yourself that your domicile is secure in your absence. As always, the devil is in the details. When I was 21, in mid-2018, uh, June 8th through 10 of 2018, about three years ago, I was still living in my grandparents' property with my young cat, Wednesday. My grandfather had an old, large tool shed, about 50 yards from the house, in the front yard. It was converted into a small living space that was insulated, heated, 
It ran with electricity, etc. It was affectionately referred to as the bunkhouse. Broadly, we were located in an isolated section of the Appalachian Mountain Trail, which made for excellent privacy, and very few and far between neighbors. I was packing up and cleaning the bunkhouse while preparing to move out in June. Before leaving for a long weekend, I looked back on the bunkhouse, which was in disarray. There were boxes and bins full of clothes, and miscellaneous articles everywhere, as packing madness might have it. The night before, I had been doing stick-and-poke tattoos in the middle of the room, using a small foldable table on which I kept my equipment. The table sat between two beds in the far side of the single-room space. The cat would often jump between the two beds. My final inclination before leaving was that it would be best to take care of the used tattoo needles and ink that were still exposed on the table and well within the cat's reach. I distinctly remember thinking, I need to throw away that ink so the cat doesn't track it everywhere. I used an empty soda bottle to seal away the used needles and ink caps and threw the bottle in the trash can. I missed an ink cap and didn't have another bottle to seal it in, so I threw it out in an oddly particular way. Mentioning that my living quarters was a mess, there was a pile of burnable waste behind the trash can, with a few other full trash bags surrounding the can. All of the prior sat relatively neatly against the wall right by the front door. There was a box amidst it, all holding an empty plastic container, the container held pretzel rods, of which all that was left was the leftover salt on the bottom. There was some other paper trashed, like ripped envelopes and receipts thrown inside. I removed the airtight plastic lid from the clear cylindrical container and let the ink cap drop low enough to the bottom of the container that it did not topple. Though some ink did splash over into the container, the ink cap sat upright under the paper, in the midst of leftover pretzel salt. The cap in the trash sealed off from open air and out of harm's way, or at least the cat's paws. No one was present when I put the ink cap away, and the only external factor while I was away was the cat. After throwing away the ink cap, and assuring myself that I could soundly leave my home, I closed the door behind me. When I arrived home, there were little black kitty footprints leading away from an obvious initial spill of thick black ink on the floor, about a foot away from the trash. The small plastic cap partially filled with tattoo ink seemed to fall out of the bottom of a larger plastic container. I noticed the mess immediately upon entering the bunkhouse. JR was right behind me following suit, bumping into me after my halting in the doorway. He saw the carnage in my befuddlement. Everything is just as I left it. A sealed, empty pretzel container. No trash disturbed. The rest of the bunkhouse was untouched. The paw prints must have petered out after the ink dried up. I peeled off the lid of the container, dumped all the paper and salt out, there was salt on the bottom of the cap, and there was ink on the bottom of the container that held the pretzels. 
I started to cry. JR and I ran through it a few times. We decided it was either a stalker watching me and knowing I was concerned about the ink cap, or a paranormal entity. For a TLDR, an ink cap that was sealed away from open air and thrown away was somehow spilled on the floor, with no witnesses and no problem. Eh? The only true culprit is the cat. Who else? Cats are a strange entity in this world. Otherwise, I guess I've been spied on and someone knew that I was especially concerned about the ink being displaced. Only recently have I discovered this glitch sub. Either way, no amount of scrubbing will ever remove the stains, and no matter how many times I replay the scenario, I cannot wrap my head around it. Any suggestions? So, this may seem a bit lame when it comes to glitch stories, but to me, it's really strange. Some backstory that may or may not seem really all that relevant. I am 27 years old, and I work in computer networking systems. When I was in high school, I took all the computer classes that I could in order to get myself into a position that I would be comfortable working with computers and the such on a daily basis. I didn't really expect to go into network systems, but I found my niche and I'm comfortable in what I do now. I make decent money and, while my actual dream was to become a software developer, I'm fairly happy with my life as it is. So, on that... I even took a year of intro to programming when I was in high school. It was basically a primer, with the overall structure of programming, how to properly write code, and even some projects using Python. It was a super basic class, but I had a good time in it, and I learned a few things over the year that I had that class. Honestly, it was one of my favorite classes mostly because the teacher was a super funny guy, and he was all about making the class and learning the concepts entertaining. I remember that we actually had a few projects. One where we had to write pseudocode to program a robot to do our homework. There was a group project where we actually had to do a full-stack mock-up, and that's everything from front-end to back-end, by the way. So, user interface to background code. I promise you that all of this is important. There's a reason that I'm mentioning it. Fast forward to this last year, in 2020. My brother landed a job as a back-end software developer. Basically, he writes the code that works on the actual back-end of the system. He's a year younger than me, and he's always kind of followed in my footsteps. Up to and including my interest in IT and coding. Unfortunately, my love for coding stopped after high school. It may have been one of my favorite classes, but I wasn't any good at it, and I tried my damnedest to get the hang of it. That said, he took to it super quick, so he learned the ins and outs of coding, and he was beyond proud to have landed this gig. So... All this out of the way, 
here's where the weirdness actually starts to kick in. When my brother told me that he got the software development job, I was ecstatic. I told him congrats. We exchanged some idle chit-chat. Then I made a quick joke about how he better be careful, or else I would ask him to get me a job with him. He laughed and responded with, You never liked programming. You wouldn't want to do this job. I then reminded him that I took a programming class in high school because I wanted to be a software developer. And his humored laugh turned into a confused stare. He then tells me that I never took a programming class, and that if I had, he would remember it. I then told him that it was Mr. Smith's programming class, and that I learned the basics, and that we also even learned some Python coding. He then tells me straight that Mr. Smith never taught a programming class, and that I never took a Fundamentals of Coding class. We bantered back and forth for a few minutes, and I bet him dinner that I would get my transcripts and prove to him that I did take this class. He took me up on it. I went upstairs into my office and pulled my education documents out of my drawer of my desk, which is basically just my degrees and transcripts in case I ever need them. I sort through them until I get to my high school transcripts, and I start going over the years. I go over them once, and I don't see a programming class. I started thinking about it, and I figured it must have been my junior year based on how long I had left. And I remember that a buddy of mine took the class with me, and he was a year ahead of me, so it would have had to have been before my senior year. I combed over the classes, and according to my new transcript, I never took a coding class with Mr. Smith. This class that I distinctly remember taking, that I remember all of the projects, the basics, the topics we went over, never existed. And apparently, I never learned anything about any of it. What's really confusing to me? In my junior year, there's now a class that I took that I don't remember. Introduction to Photography and Videography. Something that I have absolutely zero interest in. Yet I apparently took it for a year. Even more interesting, this class was instructed, based on the documentation, by a David Smith. The Mr. Smith that I remember teaching the programming class. I somehow ended up in a timeline where my education changed, and I apparently never learned something that I very much remember learning. I know that one possibility is that my official transcript is incorrect, but I just don't think that's the case, honestly. These are official documents, and I've had them for eight years. I feel like... I would have noticed that there was an incorrect class on the document when I submitted them for my college application, or maybe when I graduated and got them. In the end, I guess I'm just crazy and remember stuff that I never learned, and unfortunately I'm still no good at it. Oh, and I had to buy my brother Chipotle, by the way. It was his choice. I wanted to write this just a few hours after it happened, 
so I don't have false memories and I can look back on it later. I'm usually a very rational person, and hate this website to be honest, for what it has become over the past few years, but I wanted to write this for me, just so I can look back on it. So, pretty much, I am homeless at the moment, while I go looking for housing and I'm staying in, usually crappy hotels, just while I wait to find a place to move into. I have money saved up so I don't have to literally live on the streets. Long story short, I got out of rehab and relapsed quickly, and was staying in sketchy hotel rooms for a few days at this point. Since then, it has been about five days, and just today, I finally saw something I couldn't explain. Just for clarity, I have a massive tolerance to alcohol, and have to control how drunk I get. I don't hallucinate or have crazy dreams, I don't dream at all while using, and I don't have false memories or memory loss yet. I'm only 28. Okay, so I was at 7-Eleven after drinking myself to above a buzz but not drunk at all, which for myself is quite a lot of crappy malt liquor. The chip in my debit card is broken, so, I have to either hope the store I go to has a system that is quick in entering the chip failing enough times triggering me to swipe it, or just order everything online. 7-Eleven's system never prompts you to swipe, and if you try it, it will just forever say wait for the cashier, and it will be declined every time. Pissed off that I couldn't get my cigarettes at around 2 in the morning... I was about to leave when a young Hispanic kid, about 25, asked if I had a cash app and if I knew that I could just add funds to a virtual card and use my phone to pay for items. He helped me set it up, and eventually buy my cigarettes. I thanked him and gladly sent him $5 on the cash app for the help. We talked outside and smoked and I found out we were both staying at the hotel about 50 feet from the 7-Eleven. He told me his room number and asked if I did other drugs, and I declined. He was also homeless and staying at hotels. I told him my room number and wished him good luck. Later that night, I get a knock on the door. I open it, and it's that kid asking if I had a charger that he could borrow. For a number of reasons, I was not too trusting of this guy, but I was in a good mood and he seemed like a good kid, so I let him borrow it because I knew he was staying just a few doors down. Or so he said. I woke up at around 8am and I realized that he never tried to give my charger back. I knocked on the door for the room that he told me he was residing in and there was no answer. I just assumed he stole it, and I was being a naive idiot, which I usually am guilty of being because of my faith in people. I had to go buy another crappy charger at 7-Eleven because my phone was dying and I was pretty pissed off at the time. Fast forward to today, in a different hotel, miles away from the other, I don't know this guy and I don't have his phone number or anything. I was looking for something in my suitcase, 
and I pulled out the same charger that I lent the dude that I met at 7-Eleven. Belkin Lightning, made for the iPhone 12. I couldn't believe my eyes. The only way this would be possible is if he lied to the front desk of the ghetto hotel, telling them that he owned the room and lost his key, and then snuck in and put it back. I never black out with my tolerance, and I wasn't taking any benzos either, which will make anyone forget entire days or weeks if mixed with alcohol. This is just one of those unexplainable things that I've seen in my life. What the hell happened? This happened a few days ago. I decided to wait to post about it until he got home, for my safety, and to make sure that I had the chance to talk to him first. I'm an only child, and I live at home with my parents. My mom is currently in a different state for work, and has been for ten weeks. On Friday, at around 5 a.m., my dad left to go to his friend's house in New Hampshire to golf and he got back on Sunday afternoon. My dad and I share chores around the house while my mom is gone, and I'm extremely weird with touching wet food or just old food in general, so my dad always rinses the dishes and then runs the dishwasher, and all I have to do is put them away. Our dishwasher automatically opens when it's finished cleaning, and that's how I know when they're ready to be put away. He left for New Hampshire Friday morning, before I woke up. I was upstairs doing homework and watching Netflix, basically all morning, until I went down to eat lunch before work. I made myself one of those microwave mac and cheese cup things, and went into the silverware drawer to get a fork, and noticed that there was barely any in there. We have big forks and little forks, and I prefer the big ones, but there were only little ones left. I looked in the dishwasher, which was closed, meaning it was empty, but I checked just in case it was closed by accident. There was nothing in there. I remember being super confused because the sink was empty, and so was the dishwasher. So, I had no clue where all the dishes and silverware were. I decided to just ask my dad later when he called to check in on me, as he always does when he is away, and just grabbed one of the forks from the drawer and ate my mac and cheese. After I got home from work, I made myself some pasta for dinner. Don't flame me for only eating pasta all day. I'm lazy, okay? When I finished... I walked over to the drawer and got annoyed when I remembered that there was only little forks in there. I turned around to grab my phone to call my dad and ask him where everything was, since he hadn't called me yet. And when I did, the dishwasher caught my eye. It was open. I looked inside and it was full of clean dishes. There were all my big forks and all the dishes I had used recently. Everything. I was absolutely terrified. I don't know why it scared me so bad, but it did. I grabbed my pasta, my phone, and a fork as fast as I could out of the dishwasher 
and bolted up the stairs to my room. I immediately called my dad and told him what happened and asked when he did the dishes last. He said he did them that morning before he left for New Hampshire. I asked if he came home at all, and he said no. I am literally 100% positive that the dishwasher was empty when I made the mac and cheese earlier that day. I wasn't half asleep. I wasn't under the influence. I wasn't imagining it. Nothing. As I said before, I'm an only child. My mom is on the other side of the country, and my dad was three hours away by the time I even woke up that day. No one has keys to my house but us. Then, I was trying to think of everything I could to explain it. I was like, did someone break in, do my dishes, take nothing and then leave? Do I have a second dishwasher I never noticed until now and I got them mixed up? Did I fall asleep and sleepwalk and do my dishes? The part that scares me the most is the fact that the dishes weren't in the sink either the first time. They literally just were nowhere. Where were they? I know that this is a super long and detailed story about some stupid freaking forks, but I still am terrified. I don't know what to think about this. Hi all. A first post on mobile, etc. I've been seeing many stories on here about objects disappearing, and I have another one. It was very recent. A few nights ago, at bedtime, my, 45 female, three kids and I came up to get them ready for bed. I first came into my bedroom to put an armful of things down, including a large, half full bottle of smart water. I always bring up a bottle of water to drink during the evening, and always bring it into my nightstand and set it on this tile coaster that is on my nightstand. I didn't leave the room, but continued to sort things around the room for a few minutes, and I remember looking at my nightstand at one point to see if I had put my phone down, and I saw the water bottle on the coaster. My son... 10, came into the room and hopped up on the bed to chat. He was lounging there as we chatted about what was going on the next day at school for him. I had to leave the room and he came with me to check on my youngest daughter. Then he followed me back in and hopped back on and was now lying with his head up on the pillows. We continued talking and at one point, when I said that he should start getting ready for bed... He said, what time is it? We both looked at the time on my digital clock on my nightstand. Now, in hindsight, I recall that when we looked at the clock, the nightstand looked open and clear. The clock was visible. As in, no water bottle blocking it, and the coaster is right in front of it. As we continued to chat for another 30 seconds, my mind was also processing the thought that I then spoke it out loud. I said, Hey, where's my water bottle? I started to look around for it, and my son is a helpful kid, so he started looking for it too. 
We checked the other dresser tops, the floor in front of my nightstand, my bedroom counter. Nope. So I said, maybe I took it with me to drink when I checked on my daughter. We then checked all surfaces in the three other bedrooms, including my oldest's, whose room I hadn't been to yet. It was just gone. I can be absent-minded, but I really didn't understand what happened. I was sure that I didn't move it. A minute later, I said, I'm going to go check my bedroom again. Lo and behold, I walk in, and the water bottle is sitting on the coaster in front of my clock once again. For such a small thing, this was really unsettling. I called my son in and said, Look, I came in and my water bottle's here. He came in and was surprised and confused like me. And we talked about how could it be there, etc. He even noted that when he was lying on the bed, he could see the clock clearly when he checked the time, which verified to him that it wasn't there, because he said that he would have had to have looked around it. And I had put pink-colored flavoring into it, you know, the individual packets of strawberry lemonade mix type, so it's pretty noticeable to see. Not just transparent water that would simply bend the clock numbers behind it. So, we really couldn't explain it. Against my own knowledge of what I knew to be true, I even asked him if he moved it as a joke. He denied it wholeheartedly, and I knew this was true because he had been right with me as I left the room and searched everywhere else. There was no way he could have ran in front of me and then back to my room to replace it without me seeing. It's just one little hallway. Also, my son is a sensitive kid who does not like pranks played on him, and he doesn't pull them on others for that very reason. So, that's the story. I still don't understand what happened, and although it's a small thing, it is really bugging me. I've read about this on here more and more, and it's just the weirdest thing. But, thanks for listening. The first thing I do in the morning is take my dog out for a walk. We usually go early as we don't have encounters with bigger dogs that way. I have a beagle, so he barks at everything not realizing his size. Anyways, I live on a second floor, and when we come back, I take the harness off my dog and let him run upstairs by himself. When he reaches the door, he impatiently scratches at it, and no one ever gets the door. And this happened last year, early March, I think. I did my usual routine, and when we reached the stairs, I heard voices of people leaving the flat above mine. This is an open-stared building, and you know how each door has a special sound when opening and closing? Well, that's how I knew it was the flat above mine. The voices were like those of people leaving from a party, joyous, enthusiastic, and it was seven in the morning. So, I stopped at the stairs, pondering whether to let my dog off harness to run upstairs, 
to run after him and try to reach the door before they got to my floor, or just wait at the bottom of the stairs for them to leave. My dog knows that he has to stay put at the third step for me to take off his harness, and as he's waiting, I decided to go on as always and just apologize later. All this while hearing their footsteps going down. By the time I got to the first floor, and there were no people, and no more footsteps either, I came to the conclusion that they saw my dog and decided to wait until he was inside. But there was no scratching either. So, I hurried, and to my surprise, when I reached the last stairwell and had a clear view of my door, there was no dog. A couple of times, he's mistaken our door and kept on going upstairs. I thought this was what happened, but there were no people standing there waiting to go down. I panicked for a second because, from my point of view, the door looked completely shut. Only, when I stood right in front of it, I saw it was open at a 45-degree angle. But how could the angle affect my perspective so bad? I remember touching the glass and, honest to God, believing the dog had gone through. I was so freaked out, but I still thought that there was an explanation. My mother was sleeping in the living room at the time, because she had a bad fall and injured her knee. It was still early days, so she couldn't move without crutches, which I used to hand her after I came back from the walk. Even so, I asked her if she had opened the door for the dog, who was standing in the middle of the living room, wildly wagging his tail at me. He usually goes about sniffing around when we come back. She didn't hear me well, so I walked to her spot and asked her again. She gave me this confused look and said that when she didn't hear the dog scratching at the door, she thought I was right behind him and said something like, That was fast. But when I didn't reply, she thought something bad happened on the walk and that I was mad. I explained the whole situation, and she said I probably didn't close the door all the way, but I have this obsession with double-checking everything is closed or turned off correctly, so I knew for a fact the door was completely closed. The door has a handle on it, and every time I go out, I lean all my weight towards the steps holding the handle to make sure it's properly closed and my dog always waits to hear this sound to take off running downstairs. It's a pretty loud sound, too. Also, the door needs a big push to open or close because it has this thing at the bottom that gets stuck. My mom brushed it off almost immediately, but it's something I keep thinking of because I still don't get it. The vanishing voices and the footsteps, my dog not being there the door looking shut only to be open a second later? I have no idea what happened that day. My friend of the past five years never existed. So, this is going to sound crazy, but here it goes. Around five years ago, I moved to a new school during my senior year of high school. 
I didn't necessarily have trouble making friends as I joined the football team, and they were very welcoming of me. I enrolled in this sort of advanced PE class that was for the athletes in the school. That is when I met a dude named Tyler, who was a grade younger than me and was also on the football team. We instantly got along, and he became probably my best friend at the school. We would hang out outside of school, but for some reason, he never wanted to come over to my house, and never wanted me to come over to his house. I didn't think too much of it. Anyway, I graduated that year, and we haven't really talked much since... We would occasionally text about NFL, but nothing more than that. I had a dream last night about the guy, and when I woke up, I figured I would text him and see how he was doing. I couldn't find his contact in my phone, but that's not uncommon as I've had several new phones since I was in high school. I asked some of my old high school buddies if they had Tyler's number, and they acted like they had no idea who I was talking about. I even searched social media to see if I could contact him through that, but I still couldn't find him. I was feeling like I was losing my mind, so I asked one of my old buddies if they found him in the yearbook from that year, and he said he could not. I didn't bother to purchase a yearbook that year because that was my only year at the school. I even checked out Max Preps, a website that recorded high school football rosters and stats, but I didn't find him on there either. After a couple hours of syncing iCloud photo data to my phone, I ended up finding a picture of me and him, but nobody seems to recognize him. I have no idea what's going on, and... I was wondering if anybody has shared a similar experience. Edit. A couple of people messaged me asking if I got his name confused. I guess it's possible, but I have a pretty solid memory of the guy's name because his first name was my middle name, and we used to call each other Tyler at the mall and stuff to confuse people. I absolutely remember his last name, too. Update. After requesting a records request from my high school, they told me they could not give out any personal data, but they did say that nobody by that name ever attended the school. Also, after paying a professional website to go through the one picture I had of him, they couldn't find any matches. After talking to several people from my high school on social media, all but one person said they had no recollection of him. The other person said they did remember me hanging out with one specific kid that he couldn't remember, but he couldn't verify it was Tyler. This whole experience has been pretty mind-blowing. I really do appreciate everyone's comments and messages. The most plausible explanation here is that he was possibly in witness protection, but wouldn't more people remember him? especially being on the football team at a rather large public high school. Speaking of which, I've combed through the pictures and rosters from several websites 
of our team, and there's no trace of him. Sometimes, there are things in life that are genuinely unexplainable. However, sometimes you just have to accept these conditions, which I'm slowly learning to do. But thank you all for helping me on this bizarre mental journey. My friend and I were hanging out at my house. It was a house in southern rural Arizona. It was a big plot of mostly empty land with a trailer in the middle. We would often walk this area a lot, and I knew the area pretty well. We drove the ATVs to make little dirt trails. I decided that we would walk to this small retention pond about half a mile away to see the gross water. The time was about 10 to 12 p.m. in September, so the sun was in the center of the sky. I noted this because sometimes the shadows get dark in the wash, and I wanted to be able to look out for snakes. There was a fairly deep wash that runs into it, and it's really noticeable as a 5 foot to 10 foot deep crevice in the ground. It was dry at this time, and we climbed down into it to walk easier to the pond. Do not do this. It's very dangerous. We arrived at the pond and played around for a bit. There's a hill on the left side when you enter from the wash where you could see the house from. It's 100% a straight shot back. This is the only hill you could do this from, and I made a mental note to stick a stick at the top so I knew the right spot to go down where there was no cactus. We both stood on the hill by my stick, and we both confirmed the house in our eyesight. We grabbed each other's hands, skidded down the dirt side of the hill. When my feet hit the bottom, I blinked and I let her hand go. We were not at the bottom of the hill. There are mountains and landmarks to aid, but I knew the land by mind already due to saguaro and water runoff patches. We were not even next to the pond anymore. Then, I noticed how much later it was in the afternoon as the sun was beginning to start setting. Like, the orange stage right before it actually goes down. At the top of the hill, it was maybe two o'clock. I think it makes sense for the distance in us exploring a lot. Now, it was around 6 o'clock. We were nearly another half a mile away by the old power lines and the old trail that ran at the side of the property. The hill we stepped off of should have been behind us, and instead was out of sight behind the trees around the wash, and we were out in the open. The time had passed, and neither of us knew what had just gone on. The feeling was just, how did I get here? I better get home. Kind of like a feeling of shock, and no emotions, just solution-based. All I knew was to disregard the facts and get my friend and I back home. I knew following the trail and lines would lead back, but I didn't want to cross the washes again. But I didn't care, as I felt like if the sun went down and we were still out, 
we wouldn't make it back. I have no idea how to explain that feeling, but it may have been general shock and anxiety of the event itself. There was no way that I have been able to deduce this. We would have crossed the deep wash again, another smaller two-foot deep wash, and then walked another third of a mile into the middle of the dirt patch near the trail road to get there. We'd already done a lot of climbing and trudging, so we did not choose that, and we would remember. My friend was silent the entire time we walked back to my house, and then told me that she didn't know what happened once she got to my room. I asked her about two years back, and she just told me, yeah, that was weird. I have no memory of that blank, and she seems not to know either. I even recalled the story to my mom, and she put it up to imaginative thinking. But it plagues me still, not knowing what or how that occurred. So, we still have no explanation for this one, and it seems like a small lapse in perception, but I don't know. My girlfriend and I spent most of our time sat in bed, playing games. I usually use a controller to play my PC games if I'm not using my Switch. She's usually on the 3DS or Vita. Naturally, she plays Animal Crossing a lot, so... She was changing the game over from whatever was in the 3DS. Now, I want to make a point. We keep any games we have very organized. Always in the correct case, stacked on the drawers beside the bed. We only pick up these boxes to take out the carts and then put them back immediately. The carts almost never leave our hands so there's virtually zero chance of a loose cart ever ending up somewhere other than the device it's for, or its box. When she opened this box to take the game, it was empty. We assumed we must have made a mistake that we have never made before, and accidentally misplaced it. So we began tearing the room apart looking for the cartridge, she was looking around on the floor while I took apart all of the bedding, because my guess was it probably got lost in the duvet or under the sheets or something. I took each item of bedding and shook it vigorously to make sure the game wasn't stuck to anything. I took the duvet in particular, and I don't know the word for this, but it beat, wafted, shook it around a lot like the maids do on TV. I checked both sides of the duvet, and there was nothing stuck to it. Eventually, we got tired and gave up, saying we would look again later and it would probably turn up at some point. I put the bedding back on neatly, while once again double-checking both sides inside and out of each part. We finally got back into bed and picked up whatever it was we were doing. About 20 minutes later, I needed to pee, so I leaned forward and pressed my hand midway down the duvet for leverage to throw myself to my feet. Lo and behold, underneath my hand is the cartridge we were looking for, on 
top of the maid duvet, which I batted and shook twice over, turned inside out twice over, and checked both sides of twice over. It was literally in the middle of the bed, the correct way up, facing us like it was carefully placed there. Now, I know this sounds like a lack of perception on our part, or something like it's stuck to the duvet, but that thing was beaten harder than a dozen eggs, and I checked it so many times. We just looked at each other like, how in the hell is it possible for that to be there right now? I just accepted that we were blind or tunnel visioning, but I still think about the impossibility of it being where it was, in such perfect neat placement, after throwing the duvet around like a madman. She's never let it go either, and blames fairies or imps or something. But I would really prefer a logical solution, but I just can't reach one. <laughs> I hope I explained this well. And if I didn't convey the weirdness and impossibility of this happening, then I do apologize. I should also mention my girlfriend was absolutely not playing a prank here, because she would never do one without giving it away with her laughter. And she absolutely wouldn't lie about it one year later. She's honest to a fault. So, to preface, I found this sub today and went down the rabbit hole with everything that people have experienced. I kept thinking, man, what's the closest experience I've had to something like that? Well, it may not fit this sub perfectly, but there's one thing I realized I've always been ominously at a loss for an explanation. A few years ago, when I was in college... I went home to visit my family for a holiday, whichever one it was. Nothing was out of the ordinary. I lived about two hours from my hometown, so I visited rather frequently. I never liked going back home to visit because my parents went to bed around 8.30pm and the house was an open design with wood floors. So, the acoustics in the house made every step sound like I was hammering a bass drum. Not to mention, they never closed their door when they went to sleep, and I had to walk past their room if I wanted to go to any other part of the house. My room was at the end of a 20-foot hallway, and my parents' room was the next to the entrance of that hallway. Well, that night when I was visiting, I went to grab a beer around 2am from the fridge in the garage. I tiptoed with my socks on, as ridiculous as it is to keep the house silent, and grabbed a couple of bottles so I wouldn't have to do it again soon. On my way back to my room, I took a left to walk down the hallway, my back facing the open door of my parents' room, and I heard a sound that quite literally sent shivers down my spine. As I turned to take a left down the hallway, I hear the most distinct and terribly loud, BOO! as if a grown man shouted at the top of his lungs, about five feet above and behind me. I know how ridiculous that sounds, but it was clear as day. 
and immediately both of our family dogs in my parents' room start barking and ran towards where I was. I'm so grateful for them barking. I would be convinced I lost my mind if it wasn't for that. My stepfather has a nickname for me, Boo Boo, because that's what my little sister called me when she was too young to actually pronounce my name. It was nearly pitch black in the house. No lights were on and I got around just from my years of experience living in the house. The second I hear the boo, I turn around and face my parents' open door. I thought it was my stepfather yelling at me for being up so late, and it was too dark to see if he was standing at the threshold of the door. I just assumed he was. Without hesitation, I run into my parents' room, honestly hoping it was him that said something. I wake them up in a panic, saying, Did you say something? You said something to me, right? In a sleepy, delirious state, they say, What the hell are you talking about? I ask them if they heard that loud boo, or boom, it kind of sounded like both, and they look at me like I'm on drugs. To this day, I'm sure that's what they think, but the strangest part is that neither of them heard the dogs lose their minds, which bothers me because saying my mom is a light sleeper is an understatement. After waking my parents and begging them to tell me they said something to me, I go to my room and called my best friend. I can still remember to this day the way the hairs on the back of my neck stood up while describing to him what happened. After ending the call, I still felt the hairs on the top of my forearm stand straight up for at least an hour. It'll always bother me that I will never know what the hell that was. as scary as many of the stories that I see, but damn, what a weird glitch. My wife had a leave-in conditioner that we mix up to help with hair strength and growth. It works pretty damn good, but that's not the point. My wife, wanting to make this stuff, ordered the ingredients and a few bottles to apply it with. However, being cheap, the bottles were behind the rest of it. Being vapors, I grabbed an old 120 milliliter bottle to mix it up with. The nozzle is a great applicator to get it down to the scalp, so it worked great. She's been using it for weeks, and I've seen her use it multiple times. So, last night... She asks for her conditioner because she's tired, so I go to get it for her, which I don't normally do. I come back with the aforementioned repurposed vape bottle, and she looks at me like I'm insane. She asks me what the hell I think I'm doing giving her vape juice. Uh, this is what you've been using. We mixed this up the first day you got your ingredients. Seems awful full, though, since the last time I thought it was about three-quarters empty. I've never seen that before in my life. What the hell is going on? She says, with wide eyes. I told her how it happened. How I put it in the fridge the first time because I didn't realize it was shelf-stable. How she likes the little nozzle because it really dug into her scalp. 
Nope. Never happened. She goes and pulls another bottle from the closet. The one that we ordered. And it's about half empty since she's been using it. So, one of us is from another dimension. Or they just merged together. Because both bottles exist and are filled with the same stuff. Just for fun, she used my bottle, and it worked great. But she still insists that it never happened. It's a weird thing to glitch, though. I guess the devs weren't really paying attention. The OP then added an edit, which isn't really relevant to the glitch, but it is what they use for their conditioner, and some people might find it helpful, so I'm going to include it. Everyone keeps asking, so I'll mention what I know. A little castor oil, mycanazole cream, highest strength, a little generic neosporin, and about half of whatever leave-in that doesn't leave you too oily, because there's already some oil now. For a little bonus, you can throw a little talfinate cream in, but I don't have any actual evidence it helps. Just seems like a good idea. Caster helps the strength, even though there's barely any. Uh, Myconazole seems to be a crapshoot. Some people swear by it, but some don't respond. There's not a ton of research on it, but there's enough to know it doesn't work for everybody. Works great for her. Neosporin has a secondary effect of speeding healing and growth, and from what I understand, keeping it relatively bacteria-free makes it easier for hair to grow and roots to heal. Because of the lack of bacteria, you definitely want the myconazole so you don't leave it open for a fungal infection. The leave-in conditioner part's pretty obvious. If you want to get fancier or more natural, skip the caster and use a highly refined coconut oil with less leave-in conditioner. Harder to do, it didn't bother. For anyone that looks this up, yes, I know it's, uh, vagina cream. It's been working well for her. It's especially helpful if you've recently used a harmful dye, or anything that makes it lighter, or had any sort of injury or infection. When it comes to glitches in the Matrix, a lot of people tell stories about losing time, remembering people that didn't exist, and other significant events. But sometimes, even the smallest things can be really, really freaky. My boyfriend and I were moving into our new apartment in July of 2020. For the story to make sense, you'll need to have a slight understanding of the layout of our place. It's a one-bedroom, so the bathroom is separate from the bedroom. The doors face one another in the hallway, so if you were looking out of our bedroom you'd be looking across the hallway into the bathroom. In the bathroom, the sink is on the far wall, so you'd be facing opposite the doorway if you were using the sink. I was in the bathroom, sitting on the floor, in front of the sink and unpacking some boxes of toiletries. The sink has a large cabinet underneath it, which is where I was storing the items because we had moved from a slightly larger apartment. I was trying to save space by consolidating items. I had three open boxes of band-aids, and I decided that I was going to put all of the band-aids into one of the boxes for easy storage. Once I had emptied the other two boxes, I left them sitting open in front of me on the floor. 
My boyfriend was in our bedroom organizing some things. Suddenly, he called to me. Without standing up, I turned around to see him walking up to me with a Target shopping bag in his hand. He said it was the bag of newly purchased toiletries that I hadn't been able to locate for a few days, which was odd for me, because I have OCD and I rarely lose important things. Especially in the middle of a move. I need to know where my belongings are. This was also strange because he said he found it sitting smack in the middle of our bedroom doorway. Now, don't you think I would have noticed if that was the case? Keep in mind, I didn't move from my place on the floor this entire time. The two empty band-aid boxes were sitting on the floor, open, behind me, just as they had been. As my boyfriend walked up to me, he had his arm outstretched to hand me the bag. The following happened while we could both see each other fully. There was no way either of us could have moved anything without the other person noticing. My hand and his hands were completely in sight. We're also not the kind of people to prank each other and let it go on forever. Without taking the bag from him, I reached inside it while he was still holding it to see what it contained, because I was skeptical that this was the same bag that I had lost. We both watched as I pulled out two unopened boxes of band-aids. I didn't buy band-aids, I said, confused. I got a strange feeling, so I opened the boxes, and I found they were completely empty. I turned around to see the boxes that had been sitting behind me, and they were gone. My brain took a moment to register what had just happened, and as soon as it did, I started crying involuntarily. My boyfriend was immediately confused, and as soon as I explained it to him, he was freaked out too. He agreed that neither of us had manipulated the contents of the bag until I had reached inside while we were both watching. So, did my band-aid boxes teleport? So, here's my glitch story. In April of 2017, my band was on a road trip to Roswell, New Mexico of all places, to play a gig. And I believe it was somewhere in Missouri at night that we stopped at a rest stop. I have no idea exactly where we were, but I remember saying to my bandmates as we pulled into the lot that this place gives me Twilight Zone vibes. It just had an eerie sort of presence to it. And I like that kind of stuff, so it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. So... I don't even know what the other two guys were up to. They may have just stayed in the car, but what I do know is that me and the bass player had to go inside to go to the restroom. This is just your normal setup of a parking lot out in front of a rest stop of a highway. I don't smoke anymore, but back then I did. Me and the bassist decide to smoke a cigarette first before going inside to pee. He offers me one of his cigs, and ensues to call up his girlfriend to update her on how the trip is going. So, 
I'm just standing there, smoking and chilling, and he's standing next to me, smoking and on the phone. We're both out in front of the entrance to the rest stop, and we're both facing outwards toward the parking lot with our backs to the entrance of the building. Suddenly, while still on the phone, the bassist starts casually walking back out towards the van in the parking lot. I see him walk away, and his voice grows more distant. I don't recall exactly how far away we parked, but there's only one lot, and I remember seeing him walk into the distance in front of me, still on the phone with his girlfriend. This confused me, as I thought that he had just gone inside to go pee. But I didn't give a crap, and I was finishing my cigarette as the moment unfolded. So I shrugged and put out my cigarette and immediately turned around to head inside the stop building. As soon as I get inside, it's completely empty. But you have to walk straight ahead down this hallway to get to the bathroom. I remember there was some sort of Route 66 clock that had a spiral shape or something directly above as you entered this hallway. It just overall had that Twilight Zone sort of vibe to it. I don't know how else to explain this experience. So, I'm walking down the hall and I get into the bathroom, and I hear someone in the stall who is talking on the phone. His voice sounds exactly like my bassist. There's no one else in this bathroom. I can't see who's in there, but... I'm standing at the urinal and laughing about how weird it is that this guy sounds so similar to my bandmate. But I know for a fact it can't be him, as it would be physically impossible for him to have gotten into the bathroom before me, when I literally just saw him head out towards the car in the parking lot about 20 to 30 seconds earlier at most. I even said to myself, now that would be ridiculous if it was somehow him. But even as I said this to myself, I knew for a fact it was not him. Except that it was. Sure enough, a moment later, the stall door opens and out comes the bassist, still on his phone with his girlfriend. I'm finishing up, so he's behind me washing his hands. I turn around, and I see him still on the phone, and he's now walking out of the bathroom. I don't even think he noticed me in there with him. But at this moment, I'm absolutely stunned. And I'm just left there in the bathroom by myself wondering what the hell just happened. I ended up telling him and everyone else about this when I got back to the van, and he also explained that he went through a very different series of strange events, but I can't remember the details of his side of the story anymore. All I know is that it was simply physically impossible that he could have been in that bathroom before me when I literally saw him walk into the distance towards the van, and then I immediately headed into the bathroom. Sorry if this was overly long, but I wanted to be as succinct as possible about how it went down. I'll preface this, as many here have, by clarifying that I am by no means a spiritual person. And having said that, I have no way to describe what happened to us. 
Back in 2019, my girlfriend experienced a memory of a situation that had not happened yet. We were both in my bedroom, in my house, and she was on the sofa trying to recall about a funny remark I had made to her. She says that she was reading something funny to me a few days prior, to which I replied with a funny remark, and she was telling me this because she couldn't quite make out what I had said. I was confused because I had no recollection of that conversation. We dwelled on it for quite some time, while she tried to remind me that I was by the bathroom door while she was laying down on the bed. But I had nothing. She eventually shrugged it off and forgot about it. Fast forward a couple of days after, I had just showered and I was drying myself off by the bathroom door frame, which is inside my bedroom. She's laying on my bed, reading something funny on her cell phone right in front of me. She starts reading it back to me with an excited look. As she is reading it, her excitement seems to fade away. I take my cue, and I start to make a funny remark about that story, but I stop halfway. I ask her what's wrong. She's pale, wide-eyed, looking at the phone, when it suddenly clicks. She looks back to me, jumps out of the bed, and finishes the sentence that I had just started. She knew exactly what I was going to say. It was exactly the memory that she had had two days prior. We spent a few good hours after the incident freaking out, trying to wrap our heads around what had just happened. No possible explanation, no deja vu. She literally described that event days before it had happened. I remember her mentioning specific sections of that story the day before. It wasn't a coincidence. A text that she read again by mistake, nor... Could it be me unconsciously playing a prank on her? It was really a memory of the future. Update. She came over last night, and I had her tell me the story again. She confirmed some things. The text she read was from a tattoo on a photo, on Instagram or Facebook most likely. She distinctly remembered bits of the text on the moment of the memory, as well as a certain movement I did, followed by something I said. However, at the moment she actually read the text back to me, she definitely had never seen the tattoo before. And then, as soon as she read it, she felt a weird sensation, as if the memory was rebuilding itself. When she looked at me, she said it felt like her memory and her sight sort of converged into a single moment. And that's when I asked her if she was okay. Then she got out of bed. She repeated what I had just said before asking, and completed it with a punchline. But the remark had no impact at all. She said she had never felt so afraid before, because the feeling was too strange to describe. I'm obviously very skeptical myself, so I confronted her about it, asking if it was possible that she just saw the same image twice. If it could have been a coincidence. Or if she actually just had a very strong deja vu at the moment, and the memory wasn't actually related. 
she denied all of it. She said she was sure of the text when it first came to her mind, and she knew exactly what I was going to do and say. Her family has a history of dealing with supernatural stuff, and she has quite some memories about talking to angels, with her aunts when she was young. She's also gotten told once, totally out of the blue, by a friend's mother that she had mediunic powers. The friend's mother was a medium as well, and not sure if that's the proper wording. We might, after all, just be in a Jeremy Baramy. I have a cat named Chip. He's seven months old and is very curious. Uh, too curious. It's burning hot here, so we have to open the windows at night. I live in a gated community, and it's totally safe. Because the windows are open, Chip stays in my room at night while I sleep. I spend most of my time downstairs, and he does too. We have a routine that we follow every day for going to bed and getting up. I take melatonin, I grab my water bottle and phone, I fill up my water and I bring it upstairs. I go back downstairs and pick up Chip, and then I bring him upstairs with me. I enter my room with him, and I close the door. He goes to the window, and I go to sleep. And that's it. I did that. I know I brought him upstairs because my family saw me carrying him and said that he is grown. I know I closed the door with him inside because my mom entered my room to say goodnight and I watched as the door closed. Chip was in the room. It was 5am and I couldn't sleep. Chip wasn't on my bed, so I called for him. No answer. I tried again and said, Chip, come here. Louder. Still no answer. I worry a little, for I remember that sometimes he likes to sleep under my bed, and when he's in a deep sleep, he doesn't answer. So, I stop worrying, and I go back to sleep. Here's the thing about Chip. He knows his name, and he understands the command, come here. He always meows back when I say his name, and when I say come here. He always answers. I wake up at 9am, and I look around my room. No Chip. I call his name. Nothing. I jump out of bed and search my room, still calling for him. He's not in my closed closet, not behind my nightstand, not under my bed. He's not in my room. I look at my door. It's closed, and it hasn't been opened. I go downstairs in a panic only to find Chip on the couch, resting his eyes. I call out and he answers with a meow. I walk over and I set him on my lap. I'm confused, but calmer, knowing that he's safe. I text my mom, thinking she might have moved him when she woke up, but she didn't. I ask her if she knows that my door was shut, and she's positive. That's when I take a closer look at Chip. His fur is clumpy and has what looks like mud on it. 
I'm trying to brush it out right now. I know it's not his litter because it's too big. He's an indoor cat. He's only walked on the grass a couple of times with the leash on. He's never even seen mud. Next, I notice that he weighs more and his belly is much more round than last night. He looks like he's just been fed breakfast. But I know that's not true because Mom never moved him, and only Mom would feed him without letting me know first. Then I got scared again. There's dry blood around one eye and a splatter on his white neck fur. I haven't found a wound or anything, so I don't think it's his. We have another cat, and they do fight, but once again, Chip was in my room where the other cat was not. I also checked the other cat for wounds, and she's fine. I know many things, and I know that this isn't some prank my family pulled or a simple mistake with the routine. My family does not pull pranks, and would never pull a prank involving me while I'm asleep. They know I struggle with insomnia. My family, once again, knows to not open my door and let Chip out. Only my mom would enter my room to take Chip out, because she knows how to not wake me. I'm still confused, but I am happy knowing that Chip is safe, and from the looks of it, fed. I'm keeping an eye on him to make sure that the blood isn't his, and I'm probably going to get him a bath to get rid of the harder clumps of mud. This was not a fun way to start my morning. I was reminded of this by another post and someone suggested I make it its own post, so I have done that with a bit more detail. To start with a bit of backstory, as it seems ridiculous to claim a driver would deliberately speed into someone without it. When I was still in school, far too many years ago, I was over 16 for the mods, my secondary school went 11 to 18, I lived in a small town just outside a pretty major UK airport. Most of the people in the town worked at the airport, and there were two main routes out. One went past my school on the outskirts of the town, and one went all the way around the back and included a diversion onto the local motorway. Hence, most people took the route past my school, as it was more direct and without it being school-time rush hour, faster. Sadly, my school had a problem with hit-and-runs, as many drivers, despite the crossings and traffic-calming measures, were unable to accept that they would be slowed down by teenagers crossing the road to school. There was a particular issue with drivers making like they would slow down, then speeding up when you stepped out to cross, then slamming on the brakes to stop inches away from people. Or, on a few occasions, not slowing down at all. Then, the actual incident. I was crossing the road into school one day. Normally, I took the bus, which dropped you off on school grounds, but I was dropped off by my mom that morning, as she had to go into my sister's primary school, 
so she could just drop me on the way and save an extra half hour of sleep. She didn't drop me at my school, though. She left me at the primary school, and I walked over. I was crossing the road, and I remember seeing a silver car. I'm pretty sure it was a Peugeot, but I'm not sure on the model. Approaching the crossing, and it started making to do the above-mentioned pretend-stop-speed-up-stop maneuver, but without the final stop part. That is where I have no memory, just the stepping out from the curb with the approaching car. Then nothing. There is no chance it did not hit me, as it couldn't have slowed down in time, and I remember being well aware of this fact but not being able to get out of the way. If you've ever been hit by a car or in a similar type of incident, that feeling just before it hits you is a moment you do not forget. The next thing I know, I was some ways up the road, probably lost about 10 seconds of memory, maybe a little more, and I was walking mid-conversation with another girl from school who I know went there, and saw around, but had never spoken to. And she was slightly younger than me, so we had never really crossed paths. This was an established conversation, and when I came to, I stopped and was pretty confused. But she thought I was being really weird, and maintained that we had been chatting and walking for a while. The school day went as normal, but when I got home... I spoke to my mom about it as I was still kind of freaked out, and she was totally chill about it. She's the type to overreact, so this was strange in itself. She, and I put this down to her being religious, not a paranormal experience, just said that my dead great-grandma had probably saved me, and to not stress over it. Still, to this day... I have no idea what happened, and I believe it was some sort of glitch. There is no other way. Nothing pushed me out of the way of the vehicle, and the way I just jumped into a somewhat abnormal situation, like the universe just had to cobble something together to make it plausible, that I would never normally have been there, this makes me think that maybe I shouldn't have been and the universe had to correct it. I don't know, but it was definitely weird, and it still freaks me out eight years later to think about it. So, I recently became a homeowner, and I'm doing some small DIY renovations. Yesterday... I bought a metal two-step ladder at a local DIY store. It wasn't cheap, but I thought I'll need it the rest of my life anyways, so it's a good investment. I also picked up an online order they had prepackaged for me. I distinctly remember picking up the bag and the ladder. The bag was in my right hand with my car keys, the two-step ladder with my left. It was awkward because it was entirely wrapped in plastic, so 
I dug in my fingers into the plastic bit while carrying it to get some grip. Essentially, making a hole in the plastic so I could grip the handle inside, if you know what I'm saying. I remember walking outside and placing the two-step ladder gingerly against my dad's car, and some older lady looking on while I did so. I opened the trunk and put the seat backwards so I could place it flat into the car, and I put the bag in the regular back area. I worked slowly thinking it was the safest way as I didn't want to scratch up my dad's car's inside either. I then called my mom to let her know that it was taking a bit longer for me to get home because traffic was quite heavy and I needed to return these blackout curtains at the discounter because they're too small for the windows I have in my new apartment. I remember quickly glancing behind me in the car while driving to the discounter because I suddenly had this weird gut feeling that the two-step ladder was missing or that I forgot it. But I was wrong. It was right there. I dropped off the curtains and returned to the car. I noticed a missed call and called back. It's a woman named Jeanette from the DIY store. She said that she doesn't know why I got called. She takes a moment and asks her colleagues, and no one knows who called me nor why. I speculated with her that I must have forgotten something, but if this is the case, I'll either notice or I'll get a call back. She agreed. So, I drive home, park, yada yada, enjoy my evening. Fast forward to today, the two-step ladder is not in the car. I was too tired to bring the stuff in yesterday evening, so I was going to this morning before my dad needed the car. I drive over to the new place and park, open the trunk, and notice the two-step ladder is missing. I thought, well, maybe it fell behind in the crevice between the seats and the front seat, even though there's not enough space there, but it's not there. Then I called my dad, thinking maybe he took it out because it was shifting too much in its place or something. So I call him, and he says he didn't see any two-step ladder. Then I get this weird, sinking gut feeling. I check my wallet immediately to see if I can find the receipt, and it's there, and it says that I bought it. Then I call the store, asking if there is a two-step ladder around the cash register or outside that was forgotten. And there is. It was the same Jeanette woman who picked up, by the way. She remembered me from the day before and said the two-step ladder is still there. But the thing is, I don't recall that she and I talked about it that I'd left it behind. I told her that I was convinced that I took it and laughed it off. But now, I feel super weirded out and uncomfortable. Maybe I just remembered it all wrong or have some intense false memory that I created in my tired mind? Is that possible? Because that would be awfully detailed, wouldn't it? Edit. My mother picked up the ladder for me because I was unable to time-wise 
and it did not have any of the plastic broken. I don't know if that's significant somehow. The more I think about this being a possible glitch, the more of this sickening gut feeling I get. Like, I just don't want it to be, because how should I view reality if it is? And how does that affect my life, or all of our lives? It's too much for my mind to worry about when I have to DIY this entire apartment and other life's worries. The version of events where I'm tired and I imagined it all, it just gives me peace, so I'm gonna go with that from now on. Something unexplainable happened to me and a friend today. I spent a few hours looking for answers when I stumbled upon this page. And, with much comfort, I found that I'm not alone. This is my first post, and I'm not a whiz at writing, so thank you for anyone who sticks with me. It was another shift at work. Start time is at 6 and it was just me and my good friend. We're both in our mid-twenties, so when lunch rolled around, we decided to leave and get fast food. We get into my truck, and he gets a call from his wife. She was just checking up on him. After that, I pull out of the parking lot and down the one-mile access road to the plant. As we're driving, 38 miles per hour, I know the speed because the job put up one of those radars that alerts you if your speed is over 35. I look over to him and ask, Doesn't it seem like we've been driving forever? He then explodes with, Yes, we have to have listened to at least four of these songs from this album. At this point, my heart starts beating quicker and I get very uncomfortable. I look up, and just in front of us, I see the exit. But as I get closer, it gets further away. I started to get sick to my stomach as I sped up. It was as if my truck was running on a treadmill. He looks over at me in distress and says, Are we dead? My mind races, and I start running through scenarios. Did I wreck the truck and were unconscious? Did I even wake up for work this morning? Is this a dream? Did something fall on me at work and kill me? What is happening? I don't know what made it stop, but we finally made it to the exit. And I pulled over at the dollar store. I had to get some air. When I stepped out of the truck, my legs buckled, and I started to gag. I needed to throw up. I frantically started to think, and I asked, Check what time your wife's call ended. Twelve minutes had passed. For reference, when we returned, I timed the drive, and it took us two minutes and twelve seconds. We returned to work very unnerved. Four hours later, it was time to go home, at 4 p.m. I was nervous. I didn't want to get stuck again. He went out first, and I followed him. I was timing it again. Everything was going fine until we got to the exit, the spot where we were previously stuck. 
He pointed out of the truck to the left, and when I looked over on the fence, there sat a white owl, and he called me to confirm that I was seeing it too. I'm just looking for answers. Update. Please realize I am back at work today, so I don't have all the time to make a detailed post like yesterday. But I do want to thank everyone for your support and concern. I'll answer as many questions as I can remember reading. First, I also thought that it may have been CO2 poisoning, and that is why I will be buying a detector after work today. Unfortunately, I'm in a position where I can't just go to the doctor. It's hard to explain, but say that I didn't have the poisoning, and it gets reported back to the facility I work at that I had an incident at work and failed to report it. Or that my mental state was no longer suitable for my position. I will update with the results of the detectors. I'm honestly hoping that is what it is. Second, I was asked to look at my Google Maps travel info. Mine was unfortunately off. I've never been a fan of being tracked. Although my friend's was on, I wish that it hadn't been. When we opened up the app and looked at the information from yesterday, it shows his routes that he made to and from work, but it does not show us leaving for food. Then, it has an error message that has a 15-minute discrepancy. Goosebumps ensued. I don't think he's comfortable talking about it anymore, but I'll try to get a screenshot and upload it. I called my father last night to discuss what had happened, and to get some sort of comfort. He's a preacher, not sure if that's relevant. But when I tried to tell him the story, our phones kept dropping the calls. Today, when our work group of about six people was back, we decided to share our story, and when we started to, the building alarm went off. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be sharing my story, but I'm also not scared. I'm also totally willing to accept that the owl, dropped calls, alarms, Google glitch, could just be a perfect storm of coincidences. I just cannot get over the feeling of being trapped and the unexplained missing time. Please, give me some ideas to explore. On the morning of Friday the 14th of May 2021, I drove out to go to work, the same street that I drive every single day. At the end of the road on the right, there is a mosque and it was especially busy. I remember thinking it must be the end of Ramadan since people are usually only at that mosque after work hours. To my right, there were cars trying to park cars lining up to turn into the street of the mosque, a man in front of the mosque in the parking lot, and a man crossing the road from the main street to the street of the mosque. To my left, there had been an accident. Someone drove through a fence of a house. The car was a four-wheel drive. It was charcoal in color, and there was a police car, ambulance, and a fire truck. I went to message my boss, but thought I should wait until I drive past the police to pull out my phone and use Siri to send a text. 
I drove past the accident and then messaged my boss, saying, Sorry, I'm going to be late. I was stuck in traffic because someone drove through a fence of a house. I still have this text message. I went about my day, got to work, and when my boss and I spoke about the incident, and she and I were looking on the internet to find a mention of the accident, however, there was nothing we could find. My boss said, oh, it may be because no one was injured, and we left it at that. That night, my husband came home around 9.30pm as he was doing a late shift. We were on the balcony, debriefing about our day, as we usually would, and I say, Oh, I actually got to work late today because there was an accident across the road from the mosque, and even more traffic because of everyone going to the mosque. He replied with, The mosque? Which mosque? I explained to him that it's the one at the end of our street, to which he responded with a puzzled look and said, That's been demolished for a while. And I looked at him like he was crazy. So I explained the scenario and I said there is 100% a mosque still there. People were walking into it this morning. Anyway, he said, Okay, jump in the car. Let's go. You'll see, there's no mosque. It was demolished. We drove up the road, and he was completely right. The mosque was demolished. And it's been demolished for a while, because there's a fresh concrete slab there. We later found out they demolished it on April the 30th of 2021. Also... The house across the road from the mosque that had the car drive through the fence was completely undamaged, and the fence was even different. It was a more modern beige steel fence. The fence I saw was a low one made of red brick. I broke down in tears and I walked up to the temporary fence that surrounded the demolished worksite to put my hand through it as if I was going to feel some sort of veil. I was a little hysterical. He decided to drive around and make sure I wasn't talking about a different road. Firstly, why would I be driving any other road when this is the only road I take, and it's the quickest way to get to work every day? Secondly, there was no damage to any other fence on any other street. Thirdly, no other streets have mosques on the corner right near our house. We then went home and I tried to do some research on Google Maps Street View. You can see the fence was sitting on top of a pre-existing red brick, which was obviously from the previous fence that must have been there. This led me to believe that the morning's happenings were all from the past. We also tried to find out if there was ever an accident there, but... I couldn't find anything on Google regarding an accident on that street or into the house's fence. I've since posted on the suburb's Facebook page with questions and have received images of that house from the past with its low red fence, just like I saw from before 2014. I've also been made aware that the street that I'm mentioning has a history of being dangerous, 
as there have been many crashes as well as shootings where a man was killed outside that mosque. I can usually sense if something feels off, but that morning it was just like any other day. Well, that's basically the story, and I don't know what to think. I should mention that I have driven down that same street every weekday for the past two weeks. That mosque had been there every day. Granted, I don't usually notice it in the mornings because it's quiet and on the opposite side of the road. However, I always notice it on the way home since it's on my side of the road when I take the turn, and there are usually cars parked there making the road narrow. Let me start by saying that I had previously posted this in r slash Mandela effect, but it was removed due to being off-topic. It was requested by a few users that I repost this here, and I'm finally getting around to it. I'll be as honest as I can, and will tell this account as straight up and factual as I can remember. I understand that it sounds fake, and all I can say is that it happened. So, to start off. In late 2019, my wife was in the last year of nursing school. Her birthday is in December, and as a gag gift, I bought her one of the giant bottles of hand sanitizer. Like, the big ones with the pumps on them. This was before COVID came into the spotlight in the United States, and was just being talked about sparingly, as an unusually high amount of pneumonia cases in China. With her being a student in many different hospitals and nursing homes, this giant bottle of sanitizer quickly became the partner to our welcome rug inside the front door. On a table, of course. When COVID hit, we started using it a bit more, obviously. We didn't go overboard, though, because this was during the time of hand sanitizer, and, of course, toilet paper, being a lot harder to get in the States. By the time we were getting down to the bottom of the container, it was still difficult to find, and we both weren't necessarily too insistent on buying more, since we practice regular hand-washing. At the time, we were restricted to one income, so she could focus solely on school, and I didn't really have the money to go buy another container either. Prices were high. One night, before bed, we both noticed that we were about out. It wasn't like a huge deal or anything, just one of those quick conversations about it, and how neither of us had the money to get another. We decided to postpone getting more until the supply rose in stores, and the price came down. Like I said... We were broke as hell. We both went to bed after this conversation. She had to get up early to go into the hospital. The next morning, I was getting the kids ready to go to their aunts, and I noticed there was drastically more in the bottle than there was the previous night. Like, this bottle went from nearly empty, only about an inch left at the bottom, to nearly half full. I took a closer look, and I quickly saw that it wasn't some type of illusion created on the inside of the container, or from product stuck to the sides. 
I messaged my wife after dropping the children off and asked her if she came across some more sanitizer and added it to the container. She told me that she did not and politely reminded me of the conversation we had had the night before. You know, the typical, are you freaking serious? We just spoke about that type of comment. <laughs> I put this off to the back of my mind and went along with my day. When I got home after work, she asked me if I was messing with her when it came to the sanitizer. Apparently, she didn't bother to look, which who would really if they were in a hurry, at the bottle before she left in the morning, and she noticed it when she came home. It was enough for her to be concerned about it since it was definitely a major difference, and we were starting to worry about someone breaking in at this point. Our kids were four and two. Their fine motor skills were a bit too underdeveloped to add anything to it if they suddenly came across a surprise bottle somewhere during the night or early morning, especially without leaving a major mess and remnants of it. Only my mother-in-law had a spare key to get into the house, and she lived a solid 25 miles away from us. The option of her driving half an hour in the middle of the night just to quietly come in and add some hand sanitizer to our bottle was, and is, too outlandish to be a possibility. In fact, given the state of the country at the time, the idea that anyone would do this was far-fetched. We thought that if someone were to break in, that they would have stolen the bottle before they gave us more. We never came to a conclusion about how it happened. Neither of us really chased after what happened, especially because of how intense things with COVID were getting. People started dying, my wife was super involved in hospitals and college, and we went into lockdown. I've thought about it for about two years now, and just came to the conclusion that something out of the ordinary happened. I don't necessarily have an explanation for it, it's just one of those things in my life that I've experienced and I don't have an answer for. No one broke in, there was no extra bottle anywhere, neither one of us went and got more at the time, it was not diluted with anything, and we don't know how it happened. The amount that was added stayed, as in it was like we got a partial refill, <laughs> Not that it stayed that level forever. Once the bottle emptied again, we threw it out. This is not the first incident of high strangeness either one of us has experienced in our lives. Also, we have both had and cleared mental health evaluations, somewhat recently due to employment. She's a public health nurse for the country we live in, and I myself work at a decently sized tech company. So that was this week's collection of Glitch in the Matrix stories on the As the Raven Dreams podcast. I hope you enjoyed this collection of glitchy goodness. If you did and would like to listen to more of this, you can always check out the other episodes of the podcast or support the channel further by actually going to my YouTube channel and checking out my videos. Just go to YouTube and search As the Raven Dreams. You can also go to AsTheRavenDreams.com for lots of other good stuff. 
ways to get early access, read stories that I've written, submit your own story, and things like that. All that said, friends, thank you very much for listening. I do hope to see you in two weeks on the next Glitch in the Matrix episode. But until then, sleep well.